You're listening to episode 152 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to tackle the book Run Faster Marathons, The Proven Path to PR by Chris Knighton from Knighton Runs Marathon Coaching. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 152. My name is Letty. My name is Ryan. And we are the hosts of the Marathon Running Podcast, a podcast that comes out every week about training, nutrition, motivation, and today's Boston Marathon, Ryan, and we are pre-recording this episode right now at this time. If you're listening on Monday, I will be towing the line at the Boston Marathon, which is kind of exciting. So maybe somebody that's really ambitious can listen to us while they're marathoning right now. I hope nobody does that to themselves. <laughs> I hope nobody streams podcasts during the marathons. Why not? I don't know. I can't imagine that making anyone faster. Maybe. I don't know. So today we have a book that we fell in love with and decided to review. It's called Run Faster Marathons, The Proven Path to PR by Chris Knighton, who owns the company Knighton Runs Marathon Coaching. How did you find out about her? So Chris messaged me on Instagram and offered for me to receive a copy of his book and to review it. And I decided to do it. And while we do get a lot of book requests, a lot of the times I'm not comfortable doing it because I'm not in love with a certain product or the book doesn't vibe with me, I guess I want to say. There's a lot of books out there, but this one I really liked. So you're basically saying you got a free book, but you're not getting paid to say anything. Yes. So basically, this is my unbiased opinion. So in this case, the only disclosure is that you got a free book, but you're not being paid to say anything. And I think it's nice because the listeners then can understand that it's not something that you're trying to push for any other reason other than just you liked it. Yes, absolutely. And I actually liked it so much that I've been in touch with Chris since reading this book. And we've decided to have him come on as a guest and talk about a few of the chapters in his book that um, kind of resonated with me because the book is written very concisely. It's only a little bit more than 100 pages, but there's so much more to it. So I guess now in this day and age of Instagram, where everybody's attention span is only 20 seconds long, this book is a perfect read for the society. And if you want to learn more, then there is more to read into. So how are you going to organize it? So I'm just going to go with his organization because I felt like the book was pretty well organized. He has three separate parts in the book, concepts for marathon success, the six phases of marathon training, and supplemental practices to go beyond just running. So there's these three sections and there's subchapters in these sections. And a lot of those, I think, would be good material for this podcast. So what are we going to talk about today? So today, Chris is going to come on and we're going to hear about him. We're going to hear about the author. And then we're also going to hop into the first topic, which is running rules to live by. That is in one of his early chapters of the book. It sounds interesting. I want to know what rules there are. Well, then you stay tuned. And without any further ado, we're now going to play my conversation with Chris Knighton. 
All right. So I'm here with Coach Chris Knighton. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Weddy. Thanks for having me on your show. There is a book that you released. It's called Run Faster Marathons, The Proven Path to PRs. So the title alone tells me and all the other runners out there, okay, this is something that uh, triggers my interest definitely. And luckily, you were able to provide me with a copy of this book that I read at this point, probably twice. And I've gone over it with my highlighter and everything. I absolutely loved it. And we are here to talk about you and this book today. And then hopefully in future episodes, a little bit more about certain topics in your book. But before we hop into all of this, perhaps you can tell us about yourself. Where do you live? And what do you do for a living? Yeah, so I'm Chris. I'm the founder of Night and Runs Marathon Coaching and the author of Run Fast Marathons, Proven Path to PR. Uh, I live in Providence, Rhode Island here in the States, and I split my time between running my online coaching business for adults. I'm also a high school track and field and cross country coach. So I do that on the afternoons and weekends. And then I am the father of a nine-month-old daughter. So I'm trying to do my best to be the best dad that I can be as well. That's awesome. It seems like you have the best of both worlds. And and um, all right, so let's talk about you being a runner. How long ago did you become a runner and what drew you into the sport initially? Yeah, so I actually came to running a little bit later in life. It's kind of funny because now I'm a I'm a high school coach for girls and I'm I'm working with kids as young as 14 and 15, but never really played any sports as a kid. Um, but when I was in college, I got into things like bike riding and hiking and really just pursuing the those activities for the sense of adventure and the places that they would take you. My first few years as a runner, I was very deep into the ultra running world, the trail running world. Uh, that was kind of my my scene and what I love to do. But then actually when I signed up for my first road marathon, I decided to hire my first running coach to kind of teach me how to train, how to behave and 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 perform my runs and train the way that an athlete who wants to be their best should. And that's when I really got the bug for, you know, learning how to run kind of the, the right way if you want to be the fastest and perform the best that you can. And that led me down the road of road running. Uh, and I had such a good experience learning about all this and working with my first coach that it ultimately led me to starting my own coaching business first on the side when I was still working full-time as an engineer. And then during COVID, um, I had the opportunity to leave my engineering career, which was very unfulfilling for me. I really didn't enjoy it and go all in on my run coaching business, which I really, really love and has become a real uh, you know, work of passion for me. So now I'm in this fun place where um, I'm, I'm able to, to draw on a lot of the experiences that I've learned as a runner personally, uh, and then you know, initially start helping coach people to become better. And then as time has gone on, I've I've just gained more and more experience through all of that, through working with the adults and the high schoolers. Um, so yeah, now I'm now I'm a full time coach and still trying to run a little bit. That's where I'm at. 
So first of all, wow, who starts running by doing an ultra marathon? I mean, I guess the only way that makes sense is because you're already out in the trails and, but yeah, I, I can't imagine. But then I also find it very interesting that a lot of people with engineering backgrounds, I have personal friends that are really into running and how it works with your body and all of that stuff. People with engineering backgrounds tend to really show their ability to increase their VO2 max because they just use that science for their advantage. So that tells me right there that your coaching is probably really amazing and um, we have a lot to learn from you. So I'm I'm glad to have you on here. So with that, um, let's talk about what inspired you to write this book about running. Yeah. So I I knew I wanted to write a book at some point. When I started coaching, I quickly learned that most athletes have the same questions for the most part. I primarily do one-on-one personal coaching with my athletes. I work really closely with them and I I like to develop that strong relationship. And though everyone is different and everyone benefits from a very personalized approach, a lot of their questions that they have are the same. So uh, when I started my my coaching business, I started a, a blog on my website as well. And this was back when I was, I was still working an engineering job. So I would find little bits of time here and there and put my thoughts to words and, and write articles about different subjects that people were asking me about or things that I wanted to elaborate on more of. I've always loved writing. There's something about it of all the different forms of creating content and presenting your thoughts out into the world. Writing for me is, I think, what I just genuinely enjoy the most. So I really enjoyed writing this content. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, this could become a book someday. So I kind of outlined a little table of contents and slowly over the course of about two years, you know, maybe once a month or so, I would write a new article that would kind of fill in that table of contents. And then eventually I got to a point where I had about 20, 20 articles or so kind of completed the, the book and was then in a place that I could you know, download all that text, revise it, re-edit it, clean it up, make it actually good, get rid of all the typos <laughs> and um, you know, put together a book that's like a very concise manual for everything I believe in when it comes to marathon training. Um, the book that I've written, it's very concise. It's only about 124 pages, but there's really no fluff in there. It kind of gets right to the point. It's sort of everything that you would need to know about the concepts behind marathon training, how to plan and design and develop your own training, and then you know a bunch of supplemental things that you can add on in addition to just the running that are going to help make you a well-rounded um, and healthiest and strongest runner that you can be. Chris, let me ask you, what are your own personal records when it comes to running? What have you been able to do with your running? In terms of my own personal best, um, 450 in the mile, uh, 16 something in the 5K. It's a little unofficial. Uh, 34 something in the 10K, 114 in the half, and then 253 in the marathon. Um, I'm actually going to be running Chicago this fall and hoping to bring that down because I know I can run a lot faster than than I have in the marathon. Um, but I'm 34 now and I'm starting to feel my age a little bit, but I'm still trying to to run those times I used to run. 
Yeah, and I guess Kipchoge is setting a great example on how to, how ageless running can can be even at his higher age of I guess he's thirty eight now. Yeah, it's incredible. I th- I think certainly in the marathon, I still have a ton of room to grow. That's awesome. Um. So all right. So let's talk about your book and the main themes. Can you perhaps give us a brief summary about your book and what the main themes are? So the book is broken up into three main sections. Uh, the first one is called Essential Concepts for Marathon Success. And within that, there's six different chapters, which are all really conceptual things that that you want to know and understand when it comes to how you're how you train. Um, this kind of goes into, you know, thinking about and really understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And once you understand why you're training or what your motivation is, you can help develop a plan for where you're going and how you're going to get there. It goes into some of the more general just rules of running that you want to kind of live by. Um, We talk about things like the theory behind how to increase your mileage and intensity, how to improve your running form, how to build your self-confidence. These are all conceptual things. Then in the second half of the book, we got into what I call the six phases of marathon training. And this is where I literally break down how marathon training works step-by-step what you should be doing in, you know, from week one to week four to eight to the taper to after your race. Understanding why you're doing the types of runs you're doing, I think is really helpful. Um, And for someone with, um, the motivation to do so, I I tried to write this book so that you could read this and then say, oh, now I know how a coach develops training, or I know how I know the math behind how to figure out how long a workout should be or how long to run. I tried to write this so that you could actually write your own training plan after understanding some of these rules and concepts. But if that's not something you're interested in doing, you can kind of read this and it gives you an overview of like, how training plans work or why the way that why they are the way they are or why a coach you know tells you to do four repeats instead of six that kind of thing and then the final uh chapter or section is really just a bunch of supplemental practices things that you can do to make your running maybe five percent better uh so you know having the right mental framework and then developing your training is going to go a long way but as you become a more and more experienced runner, there's always additional little things that you can learn or add into your your overall uh, training or way you live your life that's going to make your running just a teeny bit better. So here we talk about strength training, where I lay out some very simple body weight routines that you can add into your running to help keep you injury free and improve uh, your running performance as well. You know, stretching, we talk about the benefits of recovery and massage. And then I have a whole chapter on uh, running shoes, actually. And the main concept of that is how you want to pair the right, the, the type of workout you're doing to the right kind of shoe. Um, and how running in the same pair of shoes every day is not necessarily the best thing. So, with the first section of kind of mental concepts, the second one of how you develop your training, and then the third section of the book is supplemental practices that you can do to improve your running. 
All right. So let's talk about um, one part of the book. What is your favorite part in the entire book? Which one is your favorite chapter? What is it about and why? Yeah. So actually my favorite part of this book, I should have given it its own chapter, but it's actually hidden within another one of the chapters. On page 76 of this book, I have a, it's called uh, Race Day Performance. And I go into a couple different things about how you can run your best possible race. One of the things I outline there is what I call the simple mental strategy for racing. It's the three C's. And this I learned from my first coach, Samantha, when she was, she was teaching me how to run my first marathon. The three C's is in general, the, the strategy that I give all my athletes and I use myself when it comes to running a race. And it's really simple. It's break the race into three different parts. And in each part of that race, you want to have a one word mantra that starts with C. So the first third of your race, you want to stay comfortable. You just want us to tell yourself, be comfortable. If you're going your race pace here, it's just going to feel easy. It should feel easy at this point. You don't want to be straining or stressed out or working hard in the first third of the race. As you move into the middle of the race, the second third, you want to transition to thinking, be confident. It's often in the middle of a race that is actually the hardest. It's when the, the fatigue or maybe the pain of working so hard starts to creep up. And it's also when, you know, maybe you're only halfway, you still have a long way to go. Depending on how crowded of a race it is, it could be kind of lonely as well. Maybe the excitement of the beginning of the race is gone, but in that middle section of the race, you really need to be confident. So I always say the second C, your mantra in the middle, be confident, be positive, commit to what you're doing. As you pass the halfway point, tell yourself you can do it and keep going. And then if you're comfortable in the first third and confident through the middle, by the time you get to the final third of the race, this is where you really want to start to compete. And that's the third C. Distance races, as, as we do them as adult roadrunners for the most part, the competition starts in the final third of the race. Like in the marathon, for example, the first 20 miles is just getting you to that final 10K. So you can really work hard and really compete hard in that final third K, uh, final 10K. So when you get to that third section, that's when the racing starts. That's when you got to switch on and push really hard and run your fastest and dig deep. Um, so that, that simple strategy of how to conceptualize a race and the mantra to say in each third, that's definitely my favorite part of this book. And I think what's been most well-received and used uh, by my athletes and, and those who have read it. That's awesome. That little glimpse is already super informative. And I hope that we, you know, when, when we talk about that chapter about race day preparation, we'll be elaborating on that some more, but the three C's, everybody write that down. I know people have spring races coming up and uh, that can already be super helpful. Um, all right. So in the first segment of your book, there is a chapter about running rules to live by. And I love all of them and there's 10 of them and we're going to hop into those and talk about them. So should we get started with the first one? Let's do it. So your number one running rule to live by is to give every run a purpose. Let's talk about that. Yeah. 
So one of the biggest things that I do when I start working with any new athlete, especially if they're an athlete who's never worked with a coach before or never really trained with all that much intention, it's making sure that they understand what the purpose of every run they're doing is. And that's super, super important if you want to become the highest performing best runner that you can be. You can't just go out and and just do a run and, and not know what you're trying to get out of it. There needs to be a specific purpose that you're trying to achieve with that run. And a lot of new runners, they don't know. I, I don't think they can answer that question. But that's one of the things I try to answer in this book is what's the purpose of the run you're going on? All right. That's that's good. And so let's talk about the different purposes of a run because I am kind of like your runners that sometimes I'm just running because I go through the motion. It's become so much of my life that I just go do it without thinking about it, especially during the weeks of base training. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what different purposes there are to what type of runs. Yeah, sure. So one of the main sections in my book later on in it is the different phases of marathon training. And when you're following following a phased-based marathon training plan, there's going to be an emphasis on different aspects of your athletic development at different stages of the training. So the way that I structure it is you start off with foundational or base training, then you move into a speed development phase, then you move into more of a marathon-specific phase that's more of endurance-based. And you're going to be doing different styles of workouts during these different phases of training that are going to be geared at improving a certain aspect of your your fitness and your athletic ability. So when you look at your training week, you're going to see different types of runs in them. And, you know, for a new runner, generally every run is kind of just the same. They just go out and they just do a run. You know, maybe they run for for three miles or 30 minutes or they do a longer run, but I don't see a lot of variation within the types of runs that they're doing. Once you start to give every run a clear purpose, then you have runs that are harder and runs that are significantly easier. And you know that there's certain times in the week where you're going to push really hard and dig really hard. And maybe if you, if you know a little bit more about what you're trying to get out of your workout, you know that, let's say, you know, this is really a, a workout that's meant on improving my running form. So I'm going to put a lot of focus on my running form. Or maybe this is a workout that's going to really improve my endurance at my race pace. So I'm really going to kind of, you know, mentally be, be up for that challenge of the day. Or maybe it's just a run where the purpose is to just recover from the previous hard workout and get ready for your upcoming long run. And then you know not to waste any extra energy on that day. But if you don't know what the purpose of any given run is and why you're doing it, you're not going to get the full benefit of it. I love this. I feel like there's also kind of what you alluded to, a mental benefit to having a purpose for every run. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I love about following a, tra a training plan that, that's meant to make you your best is 
you know, people often say that running is hard or it's strenuous or, um, you know, mentally it can be exhausting to train at a high level. But I think often that's a, that is a mindset shift that you can you can make where when you recognize that yes, running takes consistency and and to be your best, you want to get out there most days and run. But you probably are only going to have two, maybe three days of the week that are supposed to be hard. And it can be fun to get to get excited and pumped up for those hard days. But it's not every single day. I mean, the vast majority of, of running days are actually quite easy and are supposed to be quite pleasant. So knowing why you're doing the run and how much you know mental energy to give it, how hard it should be, how easy it should be, I think that helps you not only improve physically long-term, but I think mentally it helps you enjoy running for longer when you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. It takes the boringness, quote unquote, out of it. Not that we would get bored because we love running so much, but you know how it works. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hear you. All right. So in the tip number two, we have um, you wrote, stay comfortable on daily runs. I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with this one. It is. Um, you know, I, the most common first adjustment that I make to a new new runner when I start working with them is to just tell them to slow down on their typical everyday run. Um, the the you know if you just took any any common runner who was getting into it, they would go out and they would tend to do most of the runs pretty similar at, at kind of a moderately challenging pace. They would want to get a good workout each time they go out for a run. They would all They do kind of all their runs at sort of this, again, moderately hard pace. There wouldn't be much variation from it. And then when you, maybe they would go and do like a race, like a 5K or a 10K, and they actually wouldn't be able to run that much faster in that race than they're just kind of doing on their everyday normal runs. Um, but it's when you you make the commitment or somebody tells you to uh, just slow down on your comfortable daily runs, then that's going to allow you to not only enjoy the running more once you get used to it, you're going to be able to run more often. You're going to be able to run more miles and you're going to be saving your energy ultimately to bring in some of these harder, faster, uh, purposeful runs that I think we'll talk about soon where, um, You know, I'm not saying just run slow all the time because if you run slow all the time, you'll just be slow. But you only want to run fast when it counts. And that's what actually is my next point here. Otherwise, you want to stay comfortable. Yes. So run fast only when it counts. So obviously, there's this big misconception. And honestly, as long as I've been running, I still sometimes fight with it in my head we're running slow, but then when it counts, we run fast. And you know what they always say, practice and you get better at it. So obviously anybody normal would think that if you practice running fast, that's when you would run fast. So if you run more fast, more often, then you would run fast better when it counts. So let's talk about run fast only when it counts. Yeah. So You absolutely need to run fast, both in practice, well, 
uh, and then obviously in your races, if you want to run fast, um, having the proper balance and understanding the balance between when to run fast and when to run comfortably though is, is absolutely essential. Running is a very hard sport on our bodies. Um, to, to run fast puts a huge amount of impact on our bodies and it takes quite a bit of time to recover from. But by running fast and running the appropriate paces in, in workouts that are appropriate for you as an individual and spacing them out, you know, maybe taking one, two or three days between harder runs that you do, that gives your body time to recover and benefit from these harder runs. So most athletes will get faster if they do, let's say one two or three faster workouts per week, but the space between those need to be either rest days or very comfortable running days, preferably comfortable running days in order to give your body the time that it needs and the, the ability that it needs to recover from those hard efforts and grow stronger. You never right. want to waste your energy on a run where where the where you don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> um, this goes back to the first one: give every run a purpose. You should know when you have a workout coming up, when you're doing a workout, and you should know what kind of pace or what kind of zone you're trying to get into with that, and save your energy for that. Only run fast on those days, and otherwise, take it take it easy. Perfect. So. Not just running fast is important, as you've alluded to, running slow is important, but now let's talk about number tip number four, or running rule number four to live by consistency. Be consistent with your training. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. When it comes to becoming a better runner, you need to have long-term consistency. That's probably the most important thing. I've seen so many people who they, they work hard for a few weeks or maybe even a few months, but then by taking an extended period of time off after that, they just lose everything that they worked hard to gain. The best way to improve long-term as a runner and, and really improve dramatically, you know, to become a completely new, new person, completely new athlete who's worlds away from what used to be. <laughs> You need to find a way to love your training and, and be very consistent with it. This doesn't mean you never take time off. There's, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to take time off, and there's ways to structure that into your training where it's actually beneficial. But again, even when you do choose to take time off, you should know why. Just like you want to give every run a purpose, you should give your rest days a purpose too, or your breaks off from running a, a clear purpose too. Um, you know, it's it's amazing how far an athlete can develop when they're consistent from training cycle to training cycle and year to year to year. But you know, the type of athlete who maybe trains for a marathon, runs it, and then hardly runs again for three months after that. I mean, they're just going to be back at square one when it comes time to train for their next race. 
Perfect. Okay. So being consistent. And then another rule that you have to live by is to run on soft surfaces often. Yeah. This one I, I love, and I think is it's one of the rules on here that's most highly neglected. There's so many benefits to running on softer surfaces. And when I say softer surfaces, I mean things like, like grass, um, dirt trails or dirt roads, um, even running on uh, like trails, even if you're a road runner, doing some of your runs on running trails uh, in the woods is good. Uh, even running on a, a rubber track is slightly softer than running on pavement. And then even when it comes to the different types of paved surfaces, uh, you know, fresh black asphalt is much softer than, let's say, concrete. Uh, concrete's one of the worst things that you can run on. There's so many benefits to running on softer surfaces. First of all, um, running on things like grass and trails, if you do that consistently long-term, it's actually going to really help improve your resiliency to getting hurt. The, the slightly uneven nature of running on grass or running on, on dirt is going to put a little bit more variation in how you land with each step. Um, it's not as uniform, obviously, as running on a flat surface like, like pavement all the time. And it's going to you know, make your lower legs, your ankles, your feet, your, all the muscles and ligaments in there work in more complex ways than just running, you know, on a flat uniform surface. And you're going to get stronger long-term from doing that. Um, there's also a lot less impact force running on softer surfaces. The softer surfaces slow you down a bit, but they absorb the impact that you put into the ground a lot more than running on something like concrete does. Again, it goes to show that obviously when we're running trails and stuff like that, it's more about enjoying the mileage and being at a not super fast pace, which makes sense because we said there is supposed to be a balance with that. And another one that, well, this one I cannot relate to because I currently live in Florida is to train with the seasons. Here it's hot all year round, but tell me what you mean when you say train with the seasons. Yeah, so this is uh, two two real intentions behind this one. First of all, um, think of your training year in terms of seasons. So when I speak with marathoners, half marathons, half marathoners, often we break our year into two different seasons, um, spring marathon and fall marathon. Those athletes are by and large going to perform a lot better and, and get closer to their true potential than someone who just, you know, signs up for a marathon completes it, then signs up for another one, completes it, and then they just kind of are doing a bunch throughout the year and there's not this viewed out, uh, you know, spring season, fall season kind of approach. The other thing, though, is actually training with the seasons of the weather. You know, training for a spring marathon, I live in, in the Northeast in Rhode Island, is very different than training with for a fall marathon. And you need to be flexible with that. And you need to understand that it can be harder to train when the weather is not ideal. It can be harder to run the paces you want to 
run. And then likewise, uh, I'm going to be personally training for the Chicago Marathon this fall. And I know that a lot of my training, it's going to be super hot and it gets very humid here, very hot. It will be hard to run the paces that I'll run in the fall in the heat of summer. You want to recognize that the weather plays a huge role in how quickly you can run. You know, if I'm out training on like an 80 degree day, I might be 30 seconds per mile slower than I'll be in Chicago when it's hopefully an ideal 40 or 50 degree day. Um, so you just kind of need to go with the flow of the year and um, recognize that it's training in the winter and training in the spring and the fall and the summer. It's it's not, not the same. And you, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's always preferences, right? Some people do better in hot weather. Some people do better when it's a little bit cooler. So pick your battles, pick your marathons wisely. And um, with that, the next tip, number seven, next rule is sleep as much as you can. And that just sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sleep is really the best thing that you can do to support your running um, from a, from a physical perspective, you know, people are, people are very interested in all the, the massage tool gadgets and, uh, you know, going to get, um, (laughs) massage therapy or PT or, uh, ice baths or I don't know, infrared saunas, all this sort of stuff that like is fun and relaxing and everything, but sweep is the best thing that you can do. Not to say those other things aren't important, but the harder you train and the more you train, likewise, you need to sweep more to be in balance. To to improve as a runner, it's all about getting the balance right between the hard work you're putting, putting in, the stress you're putting on your body through training, and then balancing that with an equivalent amount of rest and recovery. And if those two things are out of balance your training won't go in the direction it wants to go. Um, I, I see this sometimes with the athletes I, I coach. They might be working really hard, running more than they've ever run, um, You know, running, running fast, run, running the workouts they need to run, um, but they're just not sweeping enough. They're not resting enough. They're too busy with everything going on in their life. And then you know, maybe they're not seeing the improvements that they want to see. Sometimes in a situation like that, someone's performance can actually degrade and get worse um, or or could even lead to an injury in, in the worst of cases. So more is not necessarily better. You need to balance more <laughs> activity, more exercise uh, with more sleep um, to keep everything in balance. Yes, and I can only attest to that. I did train for a marathon while I had a four-month-old baby. And you know how it is as a woman. You got to feed the baby. You got to be up. You don't have that uninterrupted sleep. And it was very tough. And I feel like you are much more prone to injuries as well when you don't get that type of rest. And uh, I guess same with, well, the opposite applies to water, right? Because your next running rule to live by is to drink a lot of water and to eat a lot of carbs. Yeah. So <laughs> when it comes to the marathon, 
you need to be drinking at every water stop and you need to be eating as much as you can during the race. Um, the, now I'm talking about the actual race itself. Most people drastically underestimate how much fuel they should be taking in during, uh, during a race itself to fuel their best. Um, the best way to figure out how much you can handle is through actual practice. And this is another area most people can improve a lot as well is in, in your long runs, making sure that you're drinking a lot of water and eating a lot of carbohydrates in your long runs as well. Um, we can really train our bodies to take in a lot of carbs during our runs and, and make us feel our best and run our best. Most people, and myself included, don't do as good of a job of this as we could. Um, this also just kind of applies to general lifestyle for, for most runners. Um, staying hydrated is super important. You always want to make sure that you're showing up to the beginning of every workout ready to go. You want to be well hydrated. You want to be well fueled. Um, I see all, so I coach high school girls, <laughs> I coach a girls track team, and I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, I go to start practice with them at 3 PM and they come up to me and they say like, yeah, Chris. Um, so I didn't drink a lot of water today and I didn't really eat lunch, so I don't know how good my run's going to go today. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, the run's just kind of a disaster. So <laughs> I try to keep an emergency supply of like granola bars and sports drink in my car to give, give them to, to boost their energy and get them able to do their run. But um, when you're training hard, you really need to stay on top of your, your water and, uh, and caloric needs. It, our bodies go through a lot of energy and a lot of water when, when we're running our best and really pushing ourselves. So you just stay on top of it. Absolutely. Nutrition is so important. And along with that, I guess uh, a tip is listen to your body, quiet your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, running is in some ways really, really simple. But in other ways, we way overcomplicate it. Um, when it comes to avoiding injury, <laughs> uh, the best thing that you can do is if you feel anything that's that's bugging you, just just listen to it. Take a little bit of time off. Um, don't be so yeah quiet quiet your mind. Don't be so stressed about it. Don't spend hours researching what's going on. Just try to take a couple of days off and be okay with that and rest with it. Um, as you're approaching race day, it's normal to you know have a pretty chaotic mind, be uncertain of yourself, not sure if you can do it. Um, but think back to all the workouts that you've run. you know all the workouts that you've done, all the long runs that you've done are indicators that your body is ready. And if those things have gone successfully, then you are ready and you can do what you want to do um, when, when your race comes. No, that's super interesting. Um, and hopefully in the future, we'll hop into a separate podcast about mental training because I think there's so much more to, to this um, point. But um, the last point that we have here, uh, running rule to live by, is do not try to rush fitness. Yeah, um, this is super important. Long-term consistency is the way to improve as a runner. 
like I said before, running can be very challenging and impactful uh, sport on our bodies. Um, staying healthy and enjoying running and not getting hurt from doing it long term will make you a better runner. If you just show up day after day, do the assignments uh, you're given, you know, don't exceed your paces that you're supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> recognize that if if you have paces given to you for a workout or they're supposed to be in a certain range, that's for a reason. And going faster than that is not optimal in most cases, you know, run at the fitness level you're currently at. And if you do that consistently, you'll avoid getting hurt. Uh, you'll be able to stay consistent longer and you, you will undoubtedly improve. Um, you don't want to try to rush fitness. You don't want to just, you know, set this goal. Like, you know, I'm going to, I, I've run, let's say four hours in the marathon and, and in my next one, I'm going to do three hours. Uh, you know, that's a huge jump, but you know, it's very possible that if you chunk that into, you know, bite-sized portions, it's like, maybe if you're a four hour marathoner, you can run 345 in your next one. And then maybe the one after that, you can lower that to 330. And then maybe after that, you can lower it closer to three. Um, and I've seen this happen with some of my athletes, but it's their patient approach to their training and doing a little bit more consistently over time, over the course of years that they've been able to do this. Um, you don't want to rush it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, Completely true. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why you see these runners, these even professionals, they don't start going out at this crazy marathon pace. It is a work in progress, like you, you said. Um, yeah, thank you, Chris, so much for coming on and speaking with me. And then um, maybe, you know, you can just tell our people how they can get in contact with you and then also perhaps what type of training plans you provide with your with your company. So if you go to nightandruns.com, that's my website. You can find everything there. Um, I primarily help folks in three different ways. So I have my book here, Run Fast Marathons, The Proven Path to PR. Uh, you can get that on Amazon in paperback or Kindle format. Uh, I also coach athletes in two different ways. I primarily uh, work with athletes one-on-one -on -one through online. So if you go to nightandruns.com, you can check that out and go to the coaching link and learn all about uh, how I work with folks one-on-one. -on -one. And if it seems like we might make a good fit, you can apply for coaching on there. And then I also have a uh, group coaching option where you can download training plans that I've created and join my community and get support along the way as your training goes on. So if you have any questions about the workouts that are in the training plans um, or just, you know, anything that comes up as you're training for your races, you can, you can ask questions in the community and I'll chime in and help you out as well. So, um, you know, whether you're just looking to, to read the book and learn, looking for one-on-one -on -one coaching or looking for, you know, just kind of self-led coaching based on a training plan, but want a little guidance, I might be able to help you out in all those ways. So, uh, if you're interested, check it out, nightruns.com. Perfect. And we'll link that in our notes. And thanks again for coming on and speaking with me. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thanks, Letty. Happy to be here and hope you have a great day. 
Thank you, Chris, for speaking with us. And Ryan, what are your thoughts? Did you learn anything fun or that you can implement in your running now that you're training for a marathon? So you've kind of given me an overview of the book, but I haven't read it yet. So I'm interested in reading it and seeing more detail on what he says. Awesome. That's cool. So yeah, we hope to have him back on in the future. And if you guys liked our conversation with Chris, you can comment on our posts. We're going to post about this on Instagram. And if you have any questions, you can contact him directly. We're going to link all his information in the show notes. All right, so that's it for today. If you ran Boston today, congratulations. If you're listening to this after Boston has already happened and you ran it again, congratulations. I hope you had a wonderful race. And if anyone didn't run Boston, but they just ran it home somewhere, I hope they had a good weekend of running. Have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.